how a little bit of faith equals a whole lot of worry. All right, Matthew chapter 6. Okay, Jesus, I wanted to title this, knock it off. Okay, uh, I don't think that's quite what Jesus said, but he kind of says, hey, come on, knock it off. Stop worrying so much. We live in a generation and in a culture at a time. Maybe it's just humanity, and it's always been that way. It must have been, because Jesus talked about it 2,000 years ago, and it's in the Word so that every generation could read it. So it must be something that we deal with all the time, just as in our humanity. Worry, okay? How many of you guys, you worry sometimes? Oh, most of us. Okay, so it's obviously a problem. Now, you're young, right? 12, 13, you're already worrying? Uh, my little precious princess, Ella Rose, she's almost eight months old. Do you think she worries? No. Nope, she's just like, like, she's nothing. We've been going through, we're trying to move, we're packing boxes, we're exhausted, we're not sure if it's going to work out or not, and Rochelle and I are praying and asking God to give us wisdom, and she's just eating her Cheerios. It's like, hey, why? Because she doesn't care. Why? She just, she didn't have to trust. She just blankly sits there and lets mom and dad handle it, right? In the same way, Jesus says, knock it off. When are you going to trust God as your father who loves you and always has, who has your best interest in mind? He's got you. He's going to take care of you. And when we fall into worry, it is because there's an absence of faith. It just is that way. When we fall into worry, there is an absence of faith. Yeah. She does think everything's food, or at least worth tasting. Uh, Matthew chapter 6. Did you guys find it? You got it? Okay. So, the existence of worry is from an absence of faith. It, it just is that way. Now, have your moms worry a lot. Okay. They worry about me. They worry, <laughs> they worry about you. Maybe you give them reasons to worry. How do your dads don't worry quite as much as your moms? See, you think they don't because we don't show our emotions. We're like a rock. We were camo and black and we hide in the dark. Right? Um, no, here's the deal. I was thinking the other day, I have fallen into at different seasons or periods of my life where I think if you, sh if, if you worry, you're weak. Worry is weakness, you sissy. Right? Now, that's, a lot of people think that way. I have thought that way at times. Oh, if you show worry, that's because you're weak. That's not true. We all worry. We all worry. I worry too. I don't worry outside. I worry inside. And I may not worry about the things you worry about, but I do have things on my mind that I'm unsure of and that I think, goodness, what could happen? I mean, we're packing boxes. We're supposed to move, but we don't actually know if we're going to get keys to the house we want to move into yet. And we, we know we have to be out of the house we're in right now. But we don't know for sure where we're going until hopefully this week. And so you can say, what's going to happen? Where are we going to go? Is it going to work out? I think it's going to work out, but what if it doesn't? And then, huh, you can work yourself up into a, a frenzy. See, I used to think, oh, if you worry, you're weak. We all worry. We're all weak. But in our weakness, Christ is showing himself and making us stronger. And so as you worry, look, Every single one of you will worry. The question isn't, are you going to worry? The question is, how will you respond to worry, okay? If you worry, don't be like, oh, man, I worry, I stink, I'm weak, I'm worthless, I'm a sissy. No, you're not. You're human. But we're believers. 
If you are a believer, there is a a special promise that God has made to you as his daughters and sons that he is your father. And if your dad and mom at home can give you Cheerios or French toast or make you an omelet, God can absolutely and most certainly will see you through to the end. He'll make sure you have everything you need. All right? Um, You there? Matthew chapter 6? Take a look. Just verse 25. Just verse 25. And get your pens out. If it's your Bible, if you borrowed a Bible, probably don't write in it. Why are there so many Bibles gone? Bring your Bibles. Those are for accident. Whoops, I left mine in the car. I I couldn't find it under all my dirty clothes. Bring your Bibles. If it's your Bible, I want you to underline something, okay? Verse 25. Therefore, I say to you, do not worry about your life, what you're going to eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. And underline this last part. Is not life more than food? and the body more than clothing? Isn't, it, isn't there more to life than just sustaining it? Isn't there more to life than just surviving to the point of dying? I mean, if you think about it, if all we do is worry about surviving and, and our daily wants and needs, all you're worried about is staying alive and, and making sure things are the way you want them to be. You're just trying to keep yourself alive so that you can die one day. We're all going to die, Right? Your whole goal is to keep yourself alive until you die. That's a pretty pathetic mission statement. What's your goal in life? To keep myself alive until I die. Well, yeah. But there's so much more. And Jesus says, isn't there more, isn't there more to life than just food and clothing? Isn't there more than just the, the necessities? And I'm telling you right now, whether you recognize it or not, and sometimes it's not until you look into history or around the world we are being conditioned to think that the only thing that matters is the, the style of life you live. What makes you successful is being rich. What makes you happy is a big house. What makes you better than everybody else is getting the promotion that no one else got. What makes you better off is to have the, the doctorate or the master's degree rather than just the bachelor's or the associate's you got to go to college longer and longer and longer, and that's going to answer all of life's problems. I have very bad news for you. That is a lie. Now, college can help you greatly. It can teach you things that you need to know for a specific job you want to get, but it is not the answer to life's question, why are we here? Education cannot solve that problem. No amount of work can solve that problem. No, uh, how many square feet, how many levels or stories of a house you have or how many cars you drive or it doesn't matter. That's not the point. And Jesus, isn't there more to life than just the little necessities? What is it? Those are the things that the world is chasing daily. And we've bought into their way of thinking. If we just work hard enough and we scrounge and we dig and we apply ourselves and we get rich and we get successful and we do these things, then look who I am. Take all of who you are and line it next to all of who God is. If that's it, it's nothing. It's incredible. Not sure who John Lubach is, but he says, a day of worry is more exhausting than a week of work. I think it's funny. A day of worry, man, to worry is exhausting. It's tiring. It sucks the life out of you. We all worry, but what you do with it is up to you. 
All right? So Jesus says, look, therefore I say to you. Well, therefore, I don't know if you ever heard this before. If your Bible ever says therefore, you just look and see, well, what's it there for? Okay? Why did he say therefore? Why did he say it? Because he just got done teaching us at the end of the day, you're going to have to pick between God and riches, the mammon deal. It's the verse right before it. It says at the end of the day, you're going to have to pick one over the other. You can't love God and the success and riches and wealth of the world. Now, God can make you rich and wealthy and successful. Cool. Or you might be poor. What if you just said, God, make me what you want? It takes a lot of faith to say something like that. Do you trust him that much to say, God, make me what you want to make me rich, God? I will glorify you with my riches. God, if you want to make me poor, I will, make, I will glorify you in being poor. And you know what's funny? Uh, let me just share this with you guys. Life experience up to 33. I don't know what it's like to be 50, but I know it's like to be a teenager. I know it's like to be in your 20s. I'm beginning to figure out what it's like to be in your 30s. You're going to go through seasons where you are kind of rich, and you're going to go through seasons where you are kind of poor. And then you're going to be kind of rich again. And then you're going to be kind of poor again. And then you're going to be, it, there's nothing you can do to change the fact that life's going to happen. And so if you can say, God, make me what you want me to be. Nothing more and nothing less. And I will glorify you with it. To trust him fully with not just your stuff, but your life itself. He says, is not life more than just the little necessities that we work and we labor and we toil for? We see now in the time that we're living where mom and dad both work 50, 60 hours a day driving on freeways all over the place and they have a lot, but they never enjoy it. Got a neighbor. He has one of the nicest houses on the street. He leaves about 6 o'clock in the morning to go to work, doesn't come home to about 7 o'clock at night, so he sleeps in this really nice house, but he's never there. Got a lot of money, got a big house, got a nice car, but doesn't enjoy any of it. Then I know people who are working, they're dedicated, they have a great work ethic, they're committed, but that's not life's goal. And they enjoy the things that God has given them. Worry, what does worry even mean? It means to be anxious or to be troubled with cares, all right? If you look it up in the dictionary, it means to be troubled with cares, that you're always concerned about what might happen. To be concerned or to care about someone, right? I love my wife, I care. If you got in a car accident, it's like, well, what a praise the Lord. Like, no, no. I'm like, oh my gosh, is she okay? That's all right. There's nothing wrong with that. But it's to be overly burdened or to be troubled with cares. Not to care, but to be troubled by them. To worry, to dwell on the things that could happen, might happen, all the what ifs in life. What if I don't get an A on this test and then I don't get to go to that private high school and then I don't get to go to that college and then what if, what if, well, what if? What's worrying going to do to change any of it? Nothing, nothing, except make you tired. It's crazy. Worried about what? Worried about your life, your daily stuff, your ability to keep living. I love Psalms 139, verse 16. It's an incredible verse in the Bible. It says, God, you saw me before I was ever born. I read it. This is the New Living Translation. Some of you guys might have this Bible. You saw me before I was ever born. Isn't that nuts? Not only did he know what you were going to look like, but he's before we even invented sonograms, right? I mean, have you guys ever seen TV shows or movies or maybe your mom, you have a little sister and you saw that thing they put on her belly and you just see this little baby like, hanging out in the jacuzzi. 
God's always, the stomach, the, you know, woo, the womb. It's a weird word, womb. Anyways, God's always seen that stuff. He's not like, wow, oh, look at, good job, guys. Thanks, this is cool. He knows how it works. He's known, he's known always how it works. He created it. He knows it before, or sorry, you saw me before I was born every Day of my life was recorded in your book. Every moment was laid out before a single day had ever passed. That somewhere up in heaven, there's a Bible, or there's, not, there's a book, right? And, and maybe you could go over to the shelf and find it. David Axe, born 1982. And you're like, oh, sweet. And you pull it out and you open it up. And it's like, he was born on this day. And this is his mom and dad. And this is his sister. My whole story, right? I only know up to 33. God knows what's going to happen when I'm 62 years old. He knows what's going to happen when I'm 73. Maybe I don't even get there. Maybe I die in a car accident on the way home today. I have no idea. But it's all written out. Literally, the words I'm saying in five minutes from now are already recorded. God said, oh, I know what, I know what you're going to say. I knew what Bible study you were going to give. And guess what? Our books kind of collide because your books are written that you're sitting here today. And he knew you'd be here. And he knows your thoughts. And it's all taken care of. It's all taken. You ever been surprised and wish you had something you didn't in the moment? Like, oh, I wish I had money to buy a, a cheeseburger. I didn't know we were going to In-N-Out. I would have I brought money if I would have known. God's not like, oh shoot, what happened in your life? Oh, if I would have known better, I could have prepared for this. He's got you. He's written it all out. Every moment was laid out before a single day had passed. Don't worry about what you'll eat and drink, he says. Your food, your, to, to stay alive, don't worry about it. Um, what's the next verse? First Timothy chapter 6, this is awesome. For we brought nothing into this world, and it is certain we can carry nothing out, right? You, didn't, you weren't born with an iPod in your hand or a phone, your skateboard, and having food and clothes. Now, this is, the, this is the challenge, though. This is the challenge. That's, that's the truth. This is the challenge. The truth, we brought nothing into this world, and it is certain we can carry nothing out. That's the truth. Here's the challenge. And having food and clothing... With these, we shall be content. We're content. It means to be satisfied. Would you be content if God just said, I'll make sure you have food and clothing, and you need to trust me with the rest? That's hard. That's a big question. But he says, look at you and I as believers, we're just, to say, look, food, clothing, and with everything else, big house, small house, sweet school, no, whatever, you, a nice car, a broke down car, you got... To walk to work one day, just be, would you be satisfied? Lord, thank you for legs that ride my back to work. Woo! Like, yeah, yes. Okay, so you're going to be like, what if you're 25 years old, car breaks down, don't have money to fix it, but you got a sweet mountain bike in the backyard? You can be like, oh, yeah, this is stupid. I got to ride my bike to work. I'm supposed to be an adult by now. Or you can be like, woo, exercise, yeah! And you can listen to a Bible study on your way or worship or. See, it's perspective. For you and I, we're to trust God, food and clothing, and God promises, I'll take care of these things, and with these we shall be satisfied. We should be okay with, and everything else is a blessing. This is a promise. Food and clothing is a promise. Everything else is a blessing. Everything. It's amazing. 
Life is more than food, Jesus says. Body is more than just your appearance, your clothing. Come on. That's it? That's what you live for is your appearance? Isn't there more than standing in front of a mirror? Or spending, I don't know how much time people do their makeup, ladies. Guys don't do their makeup. A lot. Is it more than a half an hour typically? 15 minutes? Five. 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 Like, I just slap my face, make my cheeks red, and I'm good to go. Like, I don't know. You know what's funny? Some of you guys spend a lot more time than they do in front of the mirror. Just got to, I know. So here's the deal. I know. So here's how it works. You can live your life staring at yourself in the mirror or devoting yourself. You can spend your entire life looking in the mirror or working for things God's already promised to give you. Or you could trust him and walk by faith and see what God has in store. But worry for the believer is not supposed to exist. But what replaces worry is faith. Isn't life more than food and just clothing and appearance? 1 Corinthians 15.32 is awesome. Paul says, if I live in the manner of men, meaning I just live according to our standards, we just live according to what the world says we're supposed to do, and look, Paul, man, you know, you don't know about Paul? Paul was beat because he was a believer. He was in prison. They threw rocks at him. I mean, not like a rock. He was stoned. They, they threw enough rocks at him until they covered him, and they thought he was dead underneath the pile of rocks. They beat him. They took a stick and whipped him with it. Crazy stuff. They threw him into pits or cages with wild animals that were supposed to kill him. Crazy stuff. It says, if I lived according to the men and, I, and I've fought with beasts at Ephesus, meaning I've lived, I lived the way the world was and I've encountered all this torment, all this persecution, all of this stuff, I could have just said, Jesus isn't real, this is all fake and it doesn't matter and lived a great life. Not great as in godly, great as in temporarily satisfying. What God wants to do is eternally satisfying. It says, if we've done this according to the way people think in their opinion, and I've, ended up, and I've ended up going through torment and torture? What advantage is that? There's no point. If the dead do not rise, I mean, if there's no hope at the end, we don't end up with Jesus. Let's just ink and dr- eat and drink, and tomorrow we die. Just who cares? Eat your food and drink, hang out, party, do your thing. You're all going to die and end up in the same place, except that's not true. He's being kind of sarcastic. He's saying, look, and of course we endure difficulty because there is a resurrection. We will be with Jesus and there is so much more than temporary satisfaction. Is not, the life, is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? There's more to life than we realize. There's more to life than just the race that the world puts before you of success and riches. God's already made a promise to take care of those things. Sometimes we get our eyes off of God's promises and onto our problems though, right? And I love this. Jesus goes in and he says, why, why, why do you worry? Why do you worry? We worry because we forget who our father is. That's why we worry. I'll tell you right now, why do you worry? We forget who our father is. Father in heaven. We, forget, we completely put him out of our mind and we focus on our problems rather than his promises. Take a look. Verse 26 and 27. Matthew chapter 6, verse 26 and 27. Look at the birds of the air. 
I should have brought a bunch of birds and just thrown them out and let them fly around, huh? That would be so cool, except you'd never listen to another word I have to say. But look at, look, look at the birds of the air. They, so just think, in your mind, picture them, right? Look at the birds of the air, for they, not, they don't sow or reap or gather into barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they are? Which of you, by worrying, can add one cubit to his stature? We'll, we'll talk about that last statement in the, in the end, but he says, think about the birds for a second, these fat French fry eating birds, okay? You guys ever been to a restaurant? Yeah. You see them picking up all the leftovers, the, the hamburger bun or the French fry. Those things, I don't even know how they fly. They're so fat. It's crazy. I love, we were at a camp a couple years ago and Cody put it this way. I loved it. He said, man, you've never seen a bum bird. You ever seen a bummed out bird? They're not walking around like, oh, I hope there's food today. What happened? The sun comes up, they're like, chirp, 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 chirp. You're like, go away. And they're like, life's wonderful, life's great, God is awesome. I'm gonna get my French fry now. Like, and they go eat and they chirp and they live their life, and that's it. You've never seen a bummed out bird. They're not walking around like, doesn't matter. You see bummed out donkeys, right? That's Eeyore. But you don't see any bummed out birds. And Jesus says, would you think for a second, look at these dumb little birds that flap their wings, float around, they eat, they chirp when the sun comes up, they go to bed when the sun goes down, and their life's wonderful. They're not freaking out. They're not worried or bummed. Look at the birds of the air. They don't sow or reap or gather into barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they are? They don't sow or reap or store into barns. What are you talking about? To sow and to reap, it speaks of how a farmer would spend days out in the field planting the seeds so that he could get the crops, right? He's not out there. The birds aren't out there along with him. Oh, yeah, come on, let me help you so that we can eat later. That'd be weird. Imagine a farmer's out there and all the birds are helping take seed and stick it in the ground. The birds are stealing the seed behind them. I mean, that's why you put scarecrows. Why? The farmer's out sowing. The birds are just enjoying yeah, food, seed, ah, they go for it. They said they don't, they don't become exhausted. The word toil, it means to become exhausted from work. You ever had to pull the weeds or dig up the grass or do some, move all the rocks or, or something heavy, exhausting task? You had to push a car when it broke down. You're like, ah, ah, ah. It's exactly, Jesus says, why are you so tired all the time? You know, our gener- even, even junior high age, you ask people, how are you? Good, tired, busy. What? Why? Jesus, I, I believe God would say, why are you so tired? Why are you so busy? What are you going after? What's, what's wasting your life away? What, why are you so worn out all the time? Why do we toil after this stuff? You're not supposed to be exhausted from labor and pursuing the things God's already promised. Now, if there's a passion in your life and you're going for it, sweet. Go for it. If there's a calling and these, these things you're going after are things you believe God wants you to do, those are the things you're supposed to be exhausted over. But the simple promises aren't to be pursued. They're pro- Just pick them up like a bird of the air. Just eats off the grass. It's, it's good to go. To store up in barns. I never ever really paid attention to this until this week and getting ready for this morning. But 
birds don't fly all their food back to this, like, like a squirrel does to the tree hole, right? And then fill it up for the winter. Birds just eat, and they just assume. Well, sun's going down, better go home. Boom. And what happens? They're not like, well, where'd you put the french fries, guys? We need to eat tomorrow. What happens? The sun comes up, and they go eat more french fries. Why? They just assume they'd be there. God says, would you stop worrying about what you need? I got you. I will take care of you. The food, the clothing, the simple stuff, let me take care of that. I'm your father. In our days, I know large bank account, big future plan. God says, you don't have to store it all up. Didn't Jesus just teach us to pray? I mean, if you read this at one straight shot, that's how Jesus gave it. So three to five minutes ago, in Jesus' full speech here recorded in Matthew, he just said, pray, God, give us today our daily bread. That's it. He said, look at the birds. They all, they've never, star- no bird has ever starved to death. They might get old. They might get hit by a truck on the freeway. They might, like, right? they might choke on a really big french fry or something. Like, but they're, they're okay. And for you and I, God's promises are sure. Like I can tell you right now, my wife and I, we've never had large amounts of money. We've done, we've been in our eyes very well off at times. And we've been very close to poor sometimes. Remember one of the first, well, when I first started working here for a year, every day under my desk, I forgot my wife reminded me, I had a huge box full of cup of noodles. You know what cup of noodles are? Yeah. Yeah. It's like the rich man's top ramen, right? Because if you're real poor, you get a ton of top ramen. We did that too. But cup of noodles comes in its own cup. It's for rich people. And they cost 15 cents, right? And that's what I ate every day for lunch for like a year because that's all we could afford. It's not because I liked it. I got over it real quick. It is awesome until you've had it 365 times straight. And you're like, ugh. You'd still like it? Well, praise the Lord. Why? Because with food and clothing, we shall be satisfied. Even cup of noodle. <laughs> but look, here's the deal. My wife and I, we've never had large amounts of money, but we've never missed a meal either. Never. Not once. God has taken care of us. Oh, I might have chosen to fast or something, or I might have been too busy to eat, but I never missed a meal when I wanted to eat. You make time to eat. God's got you. Birds don't plant it, they don't pick it, they don't store it up, they simply enjoy it. And how God, you guys know about the story of Exodus? People leaving Egypt, they cross through the Red Sea, and into the, they're in the desert for how long? 40 years, okay? How many stores are there in the middle of the desert? Zero. 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 Good job. Okay, one, two, three, five, seven, zero. Zero. So where'd they get new sandals from? Nowhere. Not even God. Not even God. Where'd they get new clothes from? I mean, any of you guys like me, we put holes in our shoes in the first three months and in our knees after about three weeks. We wear our clothes out real quick. Forty years. Do you guys know they wore the same stinking sandals and clothes for 40 years and God kept them from wearing out? I don't know how. I do know how. He's He's a miracle worker. He does that kind of stuff. And where do you get your food from? There's no Circle K, 7-Eleven. There's no McDonald's or In-N-Out. He rains a day, bring the rain, right? Stuff called manna. You've heard of it? Every day, just like the bird, the fat birds eating french fries, 
those that belong to God, the children of God, they would wake up, go outside, and the ground would be covered almost like a thin layer of snow, of stuff called manna, and they would scoop it up, and it was the sweetest thing in the world. And they got tired of that, and they started complaining because God's so patient. He sends this flock of quail flying through the desert, and they have all the meat they could possibly want. What'd they do? Nothing. What'd God do? Everything. Why? Because he promised, these are the things I'll take care of. I got you. Stop devoting your life to trying and earn the things I've already promised. Unless we're not satisfied with God's provision and we want more. So why, do, why don't the birds freak out? It says right here, your heavenly father feeds them. Underline it or circle it in your Bible. Verse 26. Yet your heavenly father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they are? I love this. I was like, more value? What does that mean? I looked it up. If you look up in your dictionary, you get that beast out, you flip it over to more value in the Greek, and it, it means to be more excellent or just straight better. God says, you're more excellent. You're more valuable. You want it easy? You're better than birds. Okay? Like, you're better than birds. If God doesn't let the birds starve, why would he let you starve? What kind of father would I be, right? If I make sure and feed the dogs in the morning and then go to work while my kids starve to death in the house. Hello. Maybe a great dog owner, but a horrible father. And in the same exact way, God says, look at the birds. Jesus, look at the birds. Look at the birds. Look at these French fry eating, plumped up little pigeons, okay? Look at the birds. They're not freaking out. They're good. Every day of their life, they've never starved. And you're way better than birds. Will not God also see to it that you have what you need? Well, what if I don't have what I want? Well, okay, you may not always get what you want, but you'll always have what you need. What kind of dad would feed the birds of the air and not his own children? It's insane. Weird. Worry adds nothing to your life. That, that funny little statement, verse 27, which of you by worrying can add one cubit to his stature? You know what, anybody know what a cubit is? Back then, something to do with math, maybe. It's a measurement that they used back then. Basically, the length from your elbow to the tip of your middle finger, long, that distance. Now, the hard part's like, I want to build a house 13 cubits long. Well, if you, order, like you, you hire a short guy. <laughs> it's like his fingers only go to here, so you're going to get a short house. You get a tall guy, he's going to have a long house. But that was, the, that was the deal. And he's just saying, look, at which one of you, by worrying, and well, what if this, and what if that, and what if that? He says, can you add one cubit? Can you add one foot to your life? Or a way we would understand it. How many of you, by worrying, could add one more minute to the life you're going to live? Are you really going to live to be 82 and one more day old because you worry? Is that going to help? Nope. Imagine you could worry and work and save and then get plowed by a train. <laughs> worry didn't help at all. In fact, you're probably so busy worrying you didn't see the train coming. In fact, do you guys know worry and stress, the influence of, it, influence of it on the body, actually, it destroys your body. Worry begins to break down your body faster than almost anything else can. It can mess up your stomach and your intestines. It can mess up your heart and your mind. It can mess up your attitude and your relationships. The studies they've done are absolutely 
mind-blowing, the effects of worry and stress on the human body. God says, knock it off. Knock it off. Worry adds nothing to your life. James chapter 4, verse 13 through 15 is funny. I, I just want to tell you, he basically says, don't you dare think, oh, I know what I'm doing tomorrow. No, you don't. You know what you think you're doing tomorrow. These people were talking, I got plans, and we're going to go there for a year, and we're going to set up shop, and we're going to get rich. And he says, you, oh, oh, you are so prideful. You say, if the Lord wants me to, I'm, if the Lord wills it. I remember when we had my nieces living with us, we had people, lawyers and investigators in and out of our house three times a week. And then there's work and then there's school and then there's like this counseling stuff. And it was nuts. I remember coming to a point and I never understood this verse more clearly. Multiple times. I was like, okay, I'm going to go to the grocery store and I'm going to go grocery shopping. And I'd be driving to the grocery store and then we get a call. You have to come back. The investigator's coming over. He needs to meet you. Like, oh my gosh. I can't even go to the grocery store unless God lets me. It's insane. We think we know, right? Oh, Tuesday we're going to do this and Wednesday that. No. God's got it though. It's if the Lord wills it. So he goes on. He moves. <clears throat> you guys ever been told to stop and smell the roses? Just think about the birds. They eat. They're fine. Don't freak out. Don't devote your life to finding things God's already promised to give. Matthew chapter 6, verse 28, the second little portion here. That phrase, stop and smell the roses. What does that mean? You're so busy running from one place to the next, you don't even notice the beauty in the middle. You're so busy going from one place to the other, you're missing out on the greatest blessings that are right in between the two destinations. So just take a break. Go a little slower. Stop and smell the roses. In this case, it's stop and smell the lilies, but you get the point, right? So look, verse 28, and we'll read through to 30. So why do you worry about your clothing? Your parents, come on, isn't life more than clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. And yet I say to you that Solomon in all of his glory was not arrayed like one of these. Now if, you're, if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is there and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, it's just gone that fast. Will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? I don't think it's condemning, but it is eye-opening. He says, you have a little bit of faith. All of this comes from your lack of trust in God. When we have an absence of faith, we have an increase of worry. And he says, look, at, you've looked at the birds, now look at the grass. Look at the grass. Look at the lilies of the field. And they're sitting outdoors, and they would have turned their eyes, and they would have paused for a second to smell the roses in a sense, or to look at the lilies. Stop worrying about this stuff. Have you guys ever watched like a time lapse of, of plants growing? Some of you guys have, some of you guys have. It's incredible. Uh, we grab some stuff and put it together. I, this is just awesome. Now, I want you to think, we're going to watch this here in just a second. It's like two minutes, but I want you to think, when do they take their water break, right? When do they catch their breath? I got to stop growing to catch my breath. This is hard. You, you see if you can find out when a flower takes a break to catch its breath, all right? Go ahead and give it a go.
that flower right there. It's incredible. I, you watch this stuff and <laughs> you guys understand the detail that God put into such simple things. They're here today. As soon as the rain stops, they're going to dry and die and they're over. They don't matter. They're here just to have something beautiful to look at. They don't really serve much of a purpose. Maybe feeding some hummingbirds and, and making some honey with bees and that's kind of it. And such beauty, right, which is here right now, and as soon as the sun comes out, it's gone. It's over. Jesus says, look, think about it for a second. And when did they, think, when did they need to catch their breath? Never. They're just like, do, 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 do. Look at this. Like, that's, that's it. They don't need to take a breath. They don't need to figure it out. And by the way, flowers have no experience in being flowers. You know that? It's not like they've tried it a couple times. It's a seed, becomes a perfect flower every time. It's not like, okay, I've tried this before, let me try it one more time. Give me another chance, coach. Come on, put me in, coach. He's got it. It just <laughs> happens. And God says, why don't you just open up your life? Trust me the way the birds do. Look at the lily. If I can do that to a, a flower that's going to just wither and die, how much more? Will I bless your life and make your life something worth considering, something worth looking at? He references Solomon's temple. If you ever read the Old Testament, 1 Kings chapter 6, incredible. Just describe, I mean, this massive, amazing temple given to God, coated in gold, handcrafted window. I mean, just over the, you've never seen anything like the temple that Solomon built for the Lord. People came, the queen of Sheba came across just to see what he had done. People flocked from around the world just to look at what he had created. And I'm telling you, it took him seven years, right? Most of you guys, you know that by now. Seven years, what, what Solomon did in seven years, God beats every day. Every day. New flowers grow, the fat birds eat. What we can do in seven years, God does all. I'll beat that every day. Every day. No problem. I've got you. It's incredible. And it says, look, you are of more value than the fat little pigeons. You are of more value 
to me than the flowers that are here today and gone tomorrow. But he says, oh, you of little faith. Worry comes from an absence of faith. It just does. That we're to keep our eyes on the Lord and remember, look, guys, pause. When life starts freaking out and you start panicking and you start worrying, what do you do? Put your eyes off of your problems and onto the promises of God. He says, I have got you. I'll take care of this stuff. It doesn't mean no faith. He doesn't say, oh, you have no faith. It just means you could have more. It doesn't mean you're a loser. It doesn't mean you stink. He just says, hey, there's room for growth here. Your faith is small, but even a little bit of faith can move mountains, right? That's what Jesus taught us. That's what he told us specifically. Matthew chapter 17, verse 20 says, So Jesus said to them, because of your unbelief, for assuredly I say to you, if you have faith as a mustard seed, a tiny little seed, just a little bit of faith, you will say to this mountain, it means an obstacle or a power in your life, move from here to there and it will be moved and nothing will be impossible for you. But we don't trust God, so we don't do anything. We sit there and we work for the things he's already promised. Step out and do something. Trust the Lord. Let him use you. Walk by faith and just see what your father would do. Well, I don't know how it's going to all work out. You don't have to know. He's the author and finisher. We're just the story. We're the sons and the daughters, not the father and provider. We're like the birds. We enjoy it. We don't necessarily have to run out and work it all out and make sense of it. Now, real quick, pause. We're going to close this all up here in a second. But before you run home, drop out of school, tell mom, I don't have to work. God's going to take care of me. I got this. Okay, the Bible has a beautiful balance to it, all right? You read the book of Proverbs, man, it says you better look at the ant and how hard he's always working. The bird does have to fly over and pick up the french fry, right? And you read about the warning in Proverbs to the lazy or the sluggard, and it says your poverty is going to come upon you like a lion and take you out if you don't work hard. And the word commanded, uh, James says, if you don't work, you don't get to eat, period. So, So what's the balance here? The balance is work hard and trust God. Do your homework And trust God with the rest. Don't worry about it. It means when you grow up, get to work on time. Go home and love your family. Don't go home and worry about work. It means what college? Figure it out when you get there. Okay? You're in junior high. Just get through junior high and high school will take care of itself. Don't freak out about next year. Focus on the one in front of you. Therefore, we're to be altogether different. This is where we're going to wrap it up. Look at verse 31. Altogether different. Therefore, do not worry saying, well, what should we eat or what should we drink or how is this going to work is what he's saying. Don't worry about what you're going to eat or what you're going to drink or what shall we wear. For after these things, the Gentiles, the worldly, the unfaithful, they're the ones in thinking, how are we going to make this work? I want to understand life. I got a 10, a 20, and a 30-year plan. And if I do this, this, and this, I'll get this much money. Boom, nailed it. God says, knock it off. I have the plan for your life. Don't worry saying, what shall we eat or what shall we drink or what shall we wear? For after all these things, the Gentiles, the worldly, the unfaithful, they seek these things. For your heavenly Father, underline that. It's the second time it's been used right here. Your heavenly Father knows that you need these things. He knows. Do you think I know my kids want to eat dinner tonight? I'm pretty aware my kids want to eat dinner tonight. And you know what they're going to say at dinner? I already know, I already know what they're going to say at dinner. Do you know what they're going to say? About halfway through, what's for breakfast? <laughs> Good ask. And half the time, it's like, don't worry about it, or food. But God's got it. He knows. Oh my gosh, these are the simple things, the no brainers. Imagine a parent wakes up, it's like, wait, what? You're hungry again? Yeah. 
Of course, it's a new day. Come on, hook it up. God says, I got you in this. I've got you. Therefore, don't worry saying, what shall we eat or what shall we drink or what shall we wear? After these things, the Gentiles seek for your heavenly father knows that you have need of these things. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things shall be added to you. There are two different words for seek here. The first one's attributed to the unfaithful, right? The Gentiles. It says they're seeking. It means to, to worry, to demand, to have to have an answer for. They want to know what's going on. It has to make sense. Why? Because there's no faith. So it has to make sense to them. The other word for seek, it means to pursue with a trust, to long for, look for, to think about with an end goal in mind, but to trust God with it. He says, yes, we're both seeking. One is to seek the things God's already promised. You're wasting your life. The other one says, trust God, work hard, and trust God. Figure it out. He says, you know you need these things. I've got you. If I want you to be an astrophysicist or an astronaut, or I want you to sit in a factory and make pins, like, I don't know. God's got you. And so would you be able to say today, God, whatever you want from my life, I will work hard and trust you. Lead me. Lead me. All these things the Gentiles seek after, all these things, it's what they want. 1 Timothy 4.12, let no one despise your youth. It means don't let anyone disqualify you or say, you can't do it, you're too young. Oh, you know what, you sit down and watch me. You say it nice, but that's the attitude you're supposed to have. Do you understand? There's supposed to be a little bit of feistiness. How many of you girls, you got some, we call it spicy, right? You're being a little spicy. You've got some feisty fight to you. Yeah, when mom and dad are there, you know how to go head to head with them, even though they could choose not to feed you tomorrow. But no, here's the deal, right? Guys, how many of you guys know how to, for a split second, stand up to dad and then realize, oh, I'm going to die? It's in you, though. It's there, Right? God says, look, when you look at the world and you look at the temptations not to trust God, get a little feisty. Have a little bit more faith. And just look, when people say, you can't do that. You're too young. Oh, you don't understand. You don't know what you're doing. Listen to me. I know. Don't let anyone ever put you down because of your age. If God's raising you up, no one can stop him from doing it. Let no one despise your youth. Be an example to believe, isn't it funny? It doesn't even say to the world. You're supposed to be an example to the rest of the people because if you can do it, anyone can do it. If you can trust God, anyone can trust God. Believers in the world, in your conduct, the way you live your life, in the way that you love people, your spirit, your faith, your relationship with God, in purity. You're not a walking contradiction full of sin. You're a life separated to the Lord. And he ends, therefore do not worry, verse 34, about tomorrow. Don't worry about tomorrow. Don't worry about high school. Don't worry about college. Don't. don't. Have a plan. Work hard and trust God. Don't worry about tomorrow. For tomorrow will worry about its own things. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. When we worry, it's because of an absence of faith. Worry doesn't make you weak. I thought that for you. If you worry, you're a weakling. No, that's not true. We all worry. It's what you do with it. Would you turn to God? Would you just say, Lord, I'm going to work hard and I'm going to trust you. If you feed the fat little French fry eating birds, 
and you clothe the field with the beauty of the flowers that as soon as the sun comes up, it's going to wither and die. If you pay that much attention to the little things that don't matter, I'm pretty sure you'll take care of me. It's awesome. He's faithful. Let's pray, all right? God, we thank you today. Lord, that we can walk by faith, absolute confidence in Christ. And as we're walking, we don't need to worry like the rest of the world. We're to care. But we don't have to worry. And Lord, when those things come, try and distract us, try and rob the joy, try and take away the peace, try and slow us down in what you've called us to do. Lord, would you remind us just to look up? to stop and smell the roses, to consider the birds of the air, and just to be reminded. If we're going to be exhausted, it should probably be because we're running so fast after Jesus. Not because we're working hard for the things of the world. For every guy and girl in this room, Lord, as they grow through junior high, as they go into high school, and some of them pursue college, others' careers, God, would they walk in faith? Would they be blown away at your goodness? Lord, thank you so much for being our perfect Heavenly Father. In Jesus' name, amen.